0: Welcome back to Radical Hope Radio. I'm Lucy, the host of Radical Hope Radio. Radical Hope was founded in 2018 by Pam and Phil Martin after they tragically lost their son, Chris, to suicide. Radical Hope empowers and equips young adults with the skills and tools to stay well and stay resilient. Radical Radio was created with a mission to generate conversation that will help people feel more connected by exchanging stories, ideas, and advice. Today, we are talking to Kat from the Mental Matchup podcast, which is powered by Morgan's Message. Morgan's Message's mission is to amplify stories, resources, and expertise to strengthen student athlete mental health, build a community by and for athletes through peer-to-peer conversations, and provide an advocacy platform. So thanks so much for joining us today, Kat. We're so happy to have you on Radical Hope Radio. Um, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to excited to chat. Yeah, it should be great. So we, like I talked to you guys about in the intro, um, we've become a little bit connected with Morgan's message, and Cat works a little bit with them. So, if you want to start, just generally your background, um, and then a little bit how you got started with Morgan's message and your history with them. Yeah.
1: Um, a little bit about me. I grew up in Northern Virginia, just outside of DC. Us Nova people tend to specify because if you drive like 20 minutes west of me, there's nothing. It's like farmland. Um, and so it's always like, oh, you're from Virginia. And I'm like, no, no, no. We're from Northern Virginia. Um, but nothing wrong with the rest of Virginia. I grew up playing a ton of sports, danced, ultimately found a passion for lacrosse and field hockey, um, and decided to pursue a collegiate career in lacrosse. Um, I ended up at Duke University, which is a school in Durham, um, and I played Division I women's lacrosse there for four years. I graduated in 2018 and decided to do a year of business school to kind of figure out what, what I wanted my career to look like, I'd always kind of felt like I didn't quite know what I wanted to do, or really like who I wanted to be after, after shedding like the athlete experience. Um, And so my year in grad school was amazing. Met a lot of great people had a lot of different experience than I had in undergrad that led me to want to pursue a career in retail, e-commerce on the strategy and operation side. And so that kind of leads me to where I am now with like my current nine-to-five job. Um, but a little over I guess two and a half years ago now, I helped co-found Morgan's message um, in honor of Morgan Rogers, who was one of my good friends and also a team teammate at Duke um to kind of honor her. She died by suicide in July of twenty nineteen. So wanted to honor her and also start supporting other student athletes who who felt like, you know, they they weren't seen or they weren't heard and didn't have the resources needed to get help. Um a little bit of a long-winded answer, but hopefully I I checked all the boxes and in who I am and and why I'm sitting
0: here with you today. No, that was perfect. You you got all of the all the questions answered. So thank you. I don't, I gave the listeners a little bit of a, just a really abbreviated version of Morgan's Message. But before we dive into some of the other topics, do you want to just talk a little bit about Morgan's Message, the mission, what you guys are doing for college athletes, all of that kind of stuff?
1: Yeah. Um, so Morgan's Message is a nonprofit, um, and we are essentially focused on. Amplifying the resources um, surrounding, like mental health, destigmatizing kind of that 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 stigma associated with mental health within, like the student athlete community, and really focusing on equalizing the treatment of physical and mental health in athletics, and just overall expanding dialogue by normalizing conversation empowering those who suffer in silence and supporting those who might feel alone, which is, which is basically what it's boiled down. Kind of the root of this all was the co-founders lost someone really special to them. Um, And it's like, when I think about it, and I don't want to speak for them necessarily, but we are pretty aligned on this. It's Morgan's message is really about like supporting one person, like supporting someone else's Morgan um because there's so many people in the world, right, and it can kind of be overwhelming when you're like all of these people are struggling, yet, struggling with these things or, you know, x amount of people. But we really kind of focus on like if Morgan were here today, like what would we want to give to her? Like what kind of resources do we wish were in play 5, 6, 10 years ago so that she would have felt comfortable raising a hand? And if we can do that for like our Morgan, it will be applicable to like everyone's morgans um, and help get like more hands raised and more conversations um i've just found and we found that in recent recent like months or years and i think it's been uh, exacerbated or exacerbated by the pandemic but in recent years it's been i don't i don't know if easier is the word but like more welcoming to talk about These hard topics of mental health and of depression and of anxiety, but it's still like not necessarily welcomed everywhere. And it's and there's a huge lack in education. Like if I were to tell you why people aren't understanding of mental health, it's because they were not educated on it at a young age and they were raised in a generation or by a culture that's like rub some dirt in it. Like you're fine, like men don't cry, like, get tougher. Um, And while there is a piece of, like, mental, mental toughness that's, like, you know, pushing through that last rep of a squat or things like that, that doesn't mean that, like, being mentally tough means, like, shutting, not talking about, like, how sad you are on a daily basis or that, like, something's, wrong you know and that you don't feel like yourself um very rambly very rambly answer but that's kind of where Morgan's message came from yeah no not rambling at all and I
0: think Radical Hope and our college program Radical Health are similar in that vein of like you know if we can give the tools and resources to one person or the resources that you know we wish Chris who is the inspiration behind Radical Hope. Um, He died by suicide as well in college. So yeah, that same idea of like, if we can help one person with the tools and resources that may have helped him while he was in college, then we're helping, you know, hopefully millions of students or thousands of students on campuses across the country. Um, And the resilience piece that you're talking about, right? Like what's, you know, the resilience between like mental toughness or you know, these are the tools and skills that students need to be resilient. It doesn't just happen automatically. And also there is some leeway to say like, okay, you don't have to be resilient at all times. And it's okay to say like, I need help. I'm not okay. I need someone to talk to those kinds of things. I think that's where, you know, we really connect with Morgan's message and their mission. Um, but shifting gears a little bit to like, you in the Mental Matchup podcast, you talk to so many college athletes, which is awesome. Those conversations are so interesting, and we work a lot with college athletes, too. Um, but what do you think, like, after, you know, all of your conversations, what makes college athletes specifically different than other students in terms of their mental health and the resources on campus and, like, just, you know, their college experience? I think...
1: I think everyone, even if you're not a college athlete, like I think college is hard and everyone has different expectations of themselves and like what they want to execute and do. Um, I think for college athletes specifically, when you take an 18 year old who I'll make like a generalization here, right. Um, race has probably been the top for performer or one of the top five performers, most of the time in their sport, pile that on with most likely they're high performing in the classroom as well. So they're, they're kind of like a big fish in a little pond. They have a drive, they have a passion and pretty much whatever they've like worked for, they've been able to get. And then you put them, take them out of that pond and you, you bring them to college and Now they're no longer that big fish in a little pond. They're a small fish in a big pond. They're playing with, like, for lacrosse, for example, like an 18 year old's body, just like body in general and like skill level experience is so different when compared to a senior or like a 22 year old. So they're coming in, they're not like, they're not necessarily right? Like who they had been for the last like five or 10 years growing up, that's a huge identity shift. And a lot of athletes growing up associate their whole identities with their sport. Like they're known as, you know, the lacrosse kid or they're known as the hockey kid. They get to college and they're not necessarily known as that on their team because now you're surrounded by all of the hockey kids. Um, And then you pile on, on top of that, the want to still perform. So even if you're not on the first line or the second line or even the third line, like you have these high expectations of yourself of like, I want to get out there and perform. And sometimes it's just not clicking. Like the game is so much faster for every sport at the collegiate level. It takes some time and a learning curve. And a lot of athletes like aren't patient, right? Like we're like, let's like get to it. Let's get to it. So I think there's that layer of just like, holy smokes, right? Like new environment as a young kid and even, getting older in your sport, there's a lot of expectations you can have for like, oh, once I'm a junior, I'll play. That doesn't really happen or might happen. Like you, you you've no idea. Um, So I think there's this like identity shift, expectation shift. You pile on the fact that student athletes, it's a full-time job. Like you have to make sacrifices. So regular students who who are like might be doing all the extracurriculars in the world, right? Like at the end of the day, to a certain extent, like you are almost like under a contract where you have to show up to practice, you have to get your forty hours in that week, um, you have to say no to social events because you might have a big test in in two days, and you know you're traveling. You add that layer of like I don't know responsibility. That's a lot, and then pile that on with just, like, school in general. And I think what you get is just a really steep learning curve. Kids who not only are, like, figuring out sport, but now have to also think about, like, okay, I have this for four years and, like, what am I going to do after that? Like, then there's the whole career thing on top of it. And to me, it's just, like, this pressure cooker of – trying to figure out so many different things at the same time. And when you don't have support structures built into place, and chances are you don't, because things not necessarily have come easy, but it's like, you've always been able to rely on one thing being a steady and everything else ebbing and flowing. But when everything's ebbing and flowing, it can be so chaotic, so overwhelming. And that's where I think like the mental health piece comes into play of like, anxiety comes up, depression comes up. And then you have these young, like even 22, 23, like that's so young, right? Like you have these young student athletes who are like, how do I even raise my hand? Like, I've never felt like this. Like I'm such a wimp, right? They're like telling themselves these narratives because they've never had these experiences or if they've had, they've been related to something else. And they're like, holy crap, I'm not this person. Um, And they don't know, like from high school, they didn't have to have these support systems. So it's the first time they're they're like, wait, maybe I should go see a therapist or like, maybe I should talk to someone about this. And unfortunately, there are people who just like, don't talk about it and think that like, they can figure it out on themselves. And that's where I think we lose so many student athletes because they're like, everyone else seems like they're handling this. Like, I'm not going to talk to them about it. They won't understand. They're going to think like, oh God, like get her on a watch list, right? Um and so that's where I think like there's like that difference in being a student athlete to being just and I don't want to say like just a student, but having different responsibilities. Um yeah, I don't know if there's any probing questions you wanna you wanna ask from that. That was a lot.
0: Yeah. I was gonna say you were talking about stigma a little bit before, and I'm just wondering your thoughts on this. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer, but just the idea of like a culture shift around stigma mental health happening maybe slower within not even just collegiate athletes like athletes at every level is there you know that stigma changing a little slower in those groups than it does in other groups
1: I honestly I don't think I talk to enough like I don't think I have enough like Information to be able to make like a takeaway of like yes or no. I think within the athletic community, and this is like a little bit of a different answer to like kind of your question, is I think the stigma can be shifted, but I think it comes from within. And I think it comes from like coaches setting a standard for culture for their teams and not allowing. Or like, I guess, better yet, like allowing these conversations and allowing for support and kind of like veering into it versus veering away from it, pretending like it's not happening or it's the elephant in the room. Um, Because I think the more transparent we can have these conversations, like 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds, 20-year-olds, like they're looking up to their coaches and they're looking up to their upperclassmen. And that's where I think within athletics, we can probably shift it a little bit quicker in the longer term, if there is that transparency, just because athletes are like, all right, I'm bought in, like, let's do this, like, let's have these conversations. But if there's not someone leading it in like, a productive manner, that's where I'm like, you know, the growth is going to be slower than than we'd like it to be.
0: Right. Because especially like on a team, I wasn't a college athlete. So I can't even begin to imagine like, the culture of like being on a team like that and how close everyone becomes and I just sometimes I think like it can be really hard if you don't have anyone in a leadership position like opening that dialogue to just be the one person in the back of the room to be like a freshman to be like hey I'd really like to talk about like the pressures we all feel or like how big of a responsibility this might be especially at some of these colleges where like the sport is a huge deal at their school or like all eyes are on them. And I think that could be really scary without any leadership to just sort of be the one person saying, I think we should talk about this or I'm feeling this type of way. And bringing that up to like upperclassmen too, I can imagine would be really hard. Even not being a college athlete, like I think being in college and trying to say like when no one else is talking about it, like even among a new group of friends saying, hey, like I'm struggling or like I just started therapy. Does anyone else go to therapy? Like that kind of stuff and i I think you're right in saying, like coming from the coaches or like you know assistant coaches or any sort of leadership position um is like really helpful and a really good step forward,
1: yeah, and I think the other thing that can be hard, like to your point of like raising your hand and being vulnerable is that there there have to be like boundaries, like sometimes talking about you know, what you're going through is, can be healthy, but there is like, I believe, and this is like my opinion, but like, there are boundaries. Like there is a certain extent to like where you need to get help from like a professional versus like relying really, really heavily on like friends or family, because that can be a lot for like friends and family, especially when they love someone to see someone like hurting so much, but not feel like they can do Anything, because like, we're not like, I'm not a trained therapist. Like if a friend comes to me and like wants to vent, like obviously I'm going to be here as a listening ear and can offer like tools and tricks that have helped for me with dealing with anxiety or like what I did when I was like, you know, in my like depressive states, but I can't tell them, right? Like I can't hand them like a key and no one can, but like, that's where I think there's also somewhat of boundaries that need to be put up of like, when is it? productive versus when is this like we we gotta get you you know outside support um and not making that like shameful just being like it's time to like let's get you someone that you can like talk to about these things
0: yeah and I think that to your point like that's where the education piece comes in a lot of the time too like just from you know a younger age like teaching people not only how to maybe like get your friend help who might need it to say like oh I'll go to an adult or like someone I trust to say, like, this person might need help beyond just talking to us. And then also education for yourself, knowing what those boundaries are and knowing, like, when those conversations with your friends or your peers will be really helpful and when it might be time to ask someone, you know, like a counselor or like a coach to say, like, I might need help beyond just these conversations. And that's why education in the tools around you know, asking for help and the stigma around like asking for help is so important to start teaching. I think younger and younger, not just at the college level. Definitely. So I guess like this might be a hard question for you to answer, but, um, just like through your conversations that you've had over the years on your podcast and within Morgan's message message, um, What would you say are like some of the biggest, maybe lessons you've learned, or just like lessons you've seen other students like talk about um, as it relates to mental health and college athletes? Yeah,
1: I think like one of the biggest lessons I've learned is that like it's not just you going through some of these emotions. Like, I, the more and more I talk to people, like they have either like seen seen it or they've experienced themselves. And usually it's the latter. Like I found a lot, a lot of people have gone through some type of like mental health struggle. And I found a lot of them just aren't talking about it. And because we're not talking about it, which like, it's hard to talk about, right? Like it's hard to feel like, is this a safe place? Like, is this a judgment-free zone or am I going to be labeled A certain thing because I talked to the wrong person. Right. Or like I raised my hand. And I think like, that's the biggest thing is a lot of people are like, I had no idea. Some of my teammates were going through similar things to me because I didn't want to be the person that was having anxiety. And I, you know, because we all didn't want to be that person, even though if someone had come to us, we would have welcomed them with open arms and been like, yeah, I'm going through something similar. Like, what are you doing to like help? help yourself feel better like how are you kind of like troubleshooting that's like where I think some of the dangerous pieces come into place but that's been one of my biggest lessons I think the other lesson that like I've kind of learned um throughout my own journey and like talking with people is it's it's hard but what I found is I have a lot of anxiety when it comes to like what other people are thinking. And I have a tendency to like, not necessarily people please, but like constantly show up for other people. And in doing so you tend to not show up for yourself. And something that I wish I had like really practiced growing up because I think it like helps build boundaries is like, you can only control what you can control and you can control yourself and how you respond to different scenarios, right. Or different things. And if you kind of turn it inward and are like, okay, like how do I want to show up today? Like what am I focused on today and turn it inward and stop worrying about like what everyone else is doing. That's helped give me like a huge peace of mind and, and I'm not like perfect at it. Like I'm still literally working at it every single day. Um, but I think like that would also help, you know, some of these like younger, like students or student athletes with, I don't know, just like growing up, like it's hard out there. And I don't know, someone said on the podcast, like in season three, Connor Coyne, he was like a great piece of advice I got was like, you're always going to be a different character in someone's book like one person might think of you as the prince one person might think of you as like the villain but like what matters is like the character that you play in your own book and if you're happy with that character then like nothing else you can do um I know it's like not necessarily directly related to mental health but I do think it's like I don't know somewhat related in a way
0: no I think it's definitely related I think the idea of like Especially that control piece, like you really can only control yourself and your own actions and your own thoughts and the way you talk to yourself and the way you go through life. So I think that's exactly related. And you just answered my next question too. So I won't ask it because um, that was amazing advice for our listeners in college and really anyone who listens um, to always keep that in mind. So before we wrap up, um, I just want to ask you, like, where can the listeners find out more about Morgan's message? Where can they listen to you on your podcast, all that fun stuff?
1: Yes. Um, okay. To find out more about Morgan's message or get involved or just see like what we're up to. We are on Instagram. I want to say Facebook and Twitter, and we're definitely on LinkedIn. Um, our social director loves the LinkedIn. Uh, And you can find us just at Morgan's message, pretty simple. And then you can head to morgansmessage.org for our website. And there's a ton, a ton of great information there on just like our story, um, Morgan's story, and more importantly, like resources and and easy ways to get involved. For the mental matchup, you can also head to morgansmessage.org and click on the mental matchup. Um, But if you want to listen to we have like written stories online but if you want to listen to the podcast you can head to spotify or apple Podcasts and
0: just type in the mental matchup and you'll find us awesome well thank you so much for joining us today um, and talking with me you know about mental health and college athletes um, it was a really awesome conversation so thank you again for joining us yeah thanks for having me thanks again so much for joining us today on radical radio all of our podcasts are available at any time at the iTunes, Spotify, and via Amazon. Um, for more information about Radical Hope, please visit radicalhopefoundation.org and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at radicalhope underscore Until next time, stay connected, stay safe, stay hopeful, and remember you are not alone.